Welcome to the Quilting Company Podcast, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft share their passion and perspectives on all things quilty. I'm Carrie Sis. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Tracy Mooney. Today we're getting down to the nitty gritty and discussing our quilting heritage. We start by talking about how we got into quilting and where this incredible journey has taken us. Then we explore the Quilts of Valor program, which awards quilts to any warrior who has been touched by war. And then we'll end with the extremely controversial topic, to pin or not to pin. Before we start delving into our quilting heritage, I want to introduce you to our hosts. There's three of us, by the way. And we all happen to work at the quilting company. So let's talk about what we do here. And I'll start us off. I'm Carrie Sisk, social media manager and supporting web producer for all the quilting brands. And I have with me Lori Baker and Tracy Mooney. So Lori, why don't you tell us what you do here? My title is acquisitions editor. That means that I'm out there looking for the beautiful quilts and the interesting stories to tell to the people that are reading our magazines. I'm also the editor of Vons and Porter's Love of Quilting. And how about you, Tracy? Well, I am the editor of Quiltmaker Magazine, and I'm also the editor of McCall's Quilting Magazine. Well, I'm really excited to be here. I know you two are as well. Yes. This is a really big deal for us, um, and we're really excited to get started. So let's move on to our first segment that we are calling Around the Quilt Frame. And that would be my segment. Oh, Tracy. <laughs> yes. So today, our theme is the patchwork of our quilting journeys. So. How pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that lovely and Use ethereal? Use that in a sentence. Yes. <laughs> so um, here we are going to be talking about all of the different paths that each of us has taken to get us to this moment in our lives and our quilting lives. So since we represent everything from traditional to modern quilting, embroidery, long arm hand quilting, um, despite our generational differences as well, uh, we have a common love, which is quilting. Mm -hmm. So. I'm going to start with you, Lori, and I just want to hear a little bit about when you started, when you discovered quilting for the first time. (laughs) Okay, I literally don't remember my first quilting because my grandmother was a quilter. I was going to say, the day you were born, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I have quilts that my grandmother made for me when I was an infant, so I don't remember my introduction to quilting. I remember when I started and I was a young married lady. My sister was expecting a baby and I made a baby quilt for the son who is now in his late 40s. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so wow. at All right. least 40 years. Yeah. 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 He's I, I actually looked it up. He's 47 this year. Okay. All right. So so I've been quilting. And I'm 48. Some. So <laughs> almost my whole life you've yeah, been quilting. Yeah. I didn't do it nonstop like I do mm-hmm. now. I made occasional quilts, but I was more focused on garments. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 1994, I got a new sewing machine and that just took care of that. Yeah, yeah. just kind of went nuts That from was there. the end of that era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what year did you actually start quilting? Trevi was born in 1971. 
that's when I made the first quilt. Um, and I can document 1994 as a bed size quilt that I made for us. And there were, you know, five quilts in those years between then. Okay. And that's when you started documenting your quilts? Not yes. necessarily. So that's the first official report <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, you there made. You go. Okay. And I did look the other day, and and my document says that I'm closing in on 300. Wow. See, now that makes me wish that I had done that. <laughs> See, and okay, so here is one of the best things about working with Lori. I benefit from every piece of wisdom that she throws my way. So yes. guess what I started doing after the first quilt I made? Awesome. It's documented. Awesome. <laughs> now I just have to be vigilant and make sure that I keep it up. Yeah. Every once in a while I run onto something that, oh, I forgot that one. And I have to add in another line. I'm almost two 300 quilts. Are you? No. <laughs> Nowhere near it. So, so Carrie, tell us how you started. So I started, I actually started working here before I started quilting. Um, I began in the video department and I got to meet a lot of quilting professionals, amazing people, and learn from them. And I felt like by the time I walked out of here into my online editor job, which, you know, is just across the hall, basically, um, I knew everything there was to know about quilting. Uh -huh. <laughs> not true and you hadn't actually quilted I had at that never point. quilted at that point but you know it was it was interesting because just being sitting in on hours upon hours upon hours of technique based tutorials and workshops and courses I mean you know looking back at it now kind of what a shame I wasn't quilting because there's some amazing knowledge there but now I can apply it so when I moved into my online editor position, I started quilting at that point. So I'd say it's been roughly five years. So I'm a novice. But, but because know. of your experience, your novice stuff is pretty amazing. Oh, it's not Lori. like a beginner's stuff. No. You guys. You guys. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, I never agree with you. <laughs> but I always, always love when you say things like that. Well, and you know, Lori and I are always going to slap your hand when you point out when you make a mistake. Oh, I know. And I can't help it. I think it's like a human condition. I do too. Okay. I do too. So Tracy, your turn. All right. So when I was four years old, my mother brought me into her um, sewing closet. She had this closet where she kept all of her fabrics. She was a garment sewist. And I can picture it vividly in my head that she picked out a gingham fabric and cut out a square and then she took a square of flannel and basically she put the flannel inside the, the larger gingham square and folded it into a triangle and showed me how to do a whip stitch and she told me we were making a quilt and how old are you four four wow we weren't making a quilt <laughs> she was just trying to keep me busy and out of something, I'm sure. But she said we were making a quilt. So I remember going up to her in the days that followed and said, when are we going to finish the quilt? And I remember her quizzical look. She's like, no, I'm no, like, dear. A quilt for your doll. What are you doll. talking about? <laughs> like, I do remember her saying, what are you talking about at one point? And I was like, the quilt. We were supposed to make the quilt. 
But so from the time I was four until the time I actually made a quilt when I was about 21, I wanted to be a quilter. And no one in my family knew how to make a quilt. So my mother and my sister were both garment sewists. Um, I do remember vividly also in 1978, my mother going out and buying the first computerized sewing machine, which was the Athena 2000 by Singer. And it had a gajillion stitches that had little press buttons that you pressed for the stitches. And she came home with that machine in a big cabinet and informed my father she bought it. (laughs) And I remember that being kind of a brouhaha. Um, And but being amazed by the sewing machine and then didn't make anything on the sewing machine ever until I was in high school. I asked my sister to show me how to make a garment. And basically (laughs) my sister helps me cut out the pattern. And then every single time that it was time to sit down at the machine and sew something, she'd go, Oh, just let me, let me show it. It'd be just so much easier if I do it. And so basically she sewed the entire thing and I watched and, but I did some cross stitch and things like that, but I always knew I wanted to make a quilt. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until my son was born and that was when I started actually making quilts. Mm -hmm. And that was 1991. Hmm. Maybe, you know, sometimes watching somebody do something is helpful, but having the experience yourself really drives it home. I think you guys can understand the desire to actually sit and make something yeah, yourself. Can I do it, please? Yes. Yeah. So, and that was always something that was inside me. I always was very creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a dancer when I was little, and then I got into acting, and I went to performing arts high school. And if I wasn't actively making something mm-hmm. every day, I needed to be. Yeah. So. Well, here you are. Perfect. Yeah. So that's where I am. I laughed to listen to you talk about your mother's new sewing machine because the first new sewing machine that I got had 10 stitches. (laughs) 10. I'll have to look up what the Athena 2000 actually had. It was pretty fancy and it could make little dog stitches and tulips and all kinds of fancy stitches like that that I just thought was amazing. Man, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So tell us about your first quilt. That would be the one that I made for my nephew. Mm -hmm. It had embroidered blocks, and I really don't even remember what they were. I'm going to assume that they were animals or sailboats or, you know, something like that. Hand embroidered. Mm -hmm. um, Set together with uh, pale green gingham. Because gingham is what we had. That's what we had. (laughs) Um, And a border of green gingham and bound with green gingham boring by today's what I think of today mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that but but that's what it was and and that was kind of um what a lot of people were doing then that was a, a great there baby wasn't quilt. a lot of choosing yeah you know there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of selection back then what about you Carrie what was your first quilt my first quilt was um actually a pattern and I can't remember what magazine it was published in but it was published here um by Wendy Shepard and it was called, it is called Snowbirds. And so I had, I can't remember how I acquired this mode of fabric, but it was super 
like I, I had to use it in something. It had to, it had to be used. <laughs> and so I, that was my first quilt. And I called it Lots of Love. It was for Charlie, my daughter, my four-year-old, who had yet to be born. So her name is Charlotte Lot, Lottie, Lots of Love. Lots of Love. Mm-hmm. Oh, cute. cute. Yep. And it was, um, it's passable. The, it, it was just flying geese units. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> I'm not going to nitpick. All right. And, and it's a child's quilt, so she's not nitpicking either. I think we get, we get too hung up on, oh, it's got to be perfect. Yeah. And, and it doesn't. Well, it was my first pieced quilt and my first quilt that I, I quilted on a long arm or period quilted right. ever. Yeah. Which I was actually, I'm pretty happy with that part. Yes? Yeah. How about you, Tracy? So my first quilt was actually a, don't, it was all equilateral triangle. So I would say back then I kind of thought of it as a thousand pyramids kind of style quilt Mm -hmm. because that was the most similar pattern name. I found the pattern in a book that I got at the library and I looked at it. And the designer had used um, solids that were ombre Mm, and kind of rainbow. Yes, it was kind of like a rainbow quilt. And I'll have to show you a picture sometime. And um, the hardest part was finding all of the different fabrics back then. So, like I said, early 90s, I started quilting... um, by getting books. So my first book was Quilts, Quilts, Quilts uh, by Laura Nouns and Diana McClune. And I sort of worked my way through the book making little blocks. And those blocks never made it into any quilts at all. But I was learning the techniques as I went along. And, um, and I was watching TV shows on PBS, like Quilt in a Day and The Great American Quilt and learning by watching people on TV. And I had a library a block up the hill from my house, and I had a fabric store another block away in a different direction. And the fabric store was mainly garment clothes or garment fabrics, uh, but they had a very small quilting cotton section. Now, back in the early 90s, it was probably as big as the table we're sitting at, (laughs) which is what, maybe four or five feet across and not all of the fabrics were cotton and not all of the colors were available. So it was just a really different time. And the way that I had to, I had to go to multiple stores to try and find the fabrics for this quilt. And I finally found my first quilt shop, which was in Cambridge, Massachusetts. We lived in Boston at the time. And luckily the store, the people who worked in the store helped me find fabrics that close enough to ombre that we could make it work. I made the entire quilt top with those triangles and never figured out how to line up the triangles properly. So basically, there were a lot of spots where there were little holes. But it was a quilt I made for my dad, and it was a wall hanging. And it basically hung in his house up in, he had kind of a, he lived in the Poconos, and it was kind of a very rustic house, and there was a big, um, like large wood, um, what's the word? Like a beam? Like, like beams uh-huh. across the, the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And he hung it up there. So 
Nobody could ever get close enough to see that oh, there perfect. was. Oh, awesome. so it was perfect. Thanks, Dad. But it was very graphic. <laughs> and he had it hanging there until he passed away a few years ago. Oh. Well, we have maybe just a few minutes left. So let's see if we can come up with one thing that we've changed about how we've made our quilts from the time we started to now. That's so easy for me. Really? I make piece backs. Um, when I started, you put a whole piece of fabric on the back of your quilt, and I don't do that anymore. My backs are often more intricate than my fronts. Yeah, good for you, Lori. I, maybe one day, yeah. maybe 47 <laughs> years from now. No, no, yeah, no, 42 yeah. years from now. Never going to happen for no. me. What about you, Carrie? Um, you know, I think oh, one thing, I did it to myself. Yes. Um, I think what I've come up with is to be more patient with myself and take it, this sounds so lame and cliche, but take it one seam at a time. So instead of looking at the whole quilt and what I have in front of me, I like to just think it's just a straight seam. <laughs> Unless it's a curved seam, of course, which, <laughs> which, which happens sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I just think it's just from point A to point B. I can make that happen. Right. And I do. Tracy? I think piggybacking off of your thought, Carrie, um, years ago, I remember seeing a book by Jane Sassman, and she talked about um, how her her seams, like when she covers her seams with satin stitches and fancy embroidery stitches, um, they're perfect. And she said, slow down. There is no hurry. And that sentence was life-changing to me because I think I had always known people and seen teachers who were like, pedal to the metal, do it really fast, which isn't always perfect. And I'm not a perfect sewist by any means, but I really enjoy it if I can slow down and take my time. And I've heard that from a lot of quilters that we work with is they always felt like sewing faster meant better. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's the gap in our quilty generations, but I have never heard that and I've never felt that pressure. But I give it to myself when my kids are napping and I'm like, so, so, so. Today's open studio topic focuses on those who have been touched by war. So there are many ways to give to those who have served in the armed forces or just to give in general. Um, But one that is very near and dear to our hearts, and especially to Fonz and Porter, is the Quilts of Valor Foundation. Um, So before we get into how it works, Lori, do you want to tell us a little bit about what it is? Quilts of Valor are quilts that are given to servicemen and women, Um, and it doesn't matter where they served or when they served, they're given um, to people who are World War II vets as well as people just coming home from Kuwait. Um, Wonderful, wonderful way to uh, show that we value their service. And what's interesting is that every Love of Quilting publication that Fonz and Porter puts on the newsstand or, you know, digitally includes a Quilt of Valor pattern. That's correct. Um, Quilts of Valor have specific sizes. I didn't bring that with me today, Um, but there's minimum and maximum size for Quilts of Valor. 
Um, so in each issue, like Carrie says, there's going to be one that fits that requirement. And we'll put in the show notes. Show notes. We'll put in the show notes where you can find the website for the Quilts of Valor Foundation, and they have all those requirements and dimensions and everything about binding and backing that you need to know if you're going to be a quilt maker for Quilts of Valor. Correct. And you can also actually go on their website and request that a service member uh, receive a Quilts of Valor. And Tracy, you said that you're... Someone you know requested one? Yes. Okay. So um, it was actually for my brother. Okay. Uh, and so he received a beautiful quilt, red, white, and blue, and gorgeous quilting all over it um, uh, just about a year ago. Okay. And does it say on the, do they label it? Do you remember? They do a whole presentation, actually. So um, when you request one, you have to, uh, once you get close to the time where they're going to receive the quilt, you actually have to set up a time where they will be presented and service members come. And it's a whole, it's a big deal. Um, So wherever you actually have to set up a time of several hours where a person will, that person who is going to receive the quilt will be in a certain area and it's a whole secretive thing oh they're not aware they're not necessarily no okay um so in my brother's case he was not told it was a surprise and they come and they present the quilt and it's a beautiful ceremony that would entail heavy weeping on my (laughs) yes i am not a crier i really am not a crier but i've been to two different presentations of quilts and valor quilts of valor and and in both cases yeah there were tears running down my face i mean how could you not yeah especially if the recipient is unaware i mean Mm -hmm. if if that person tears up in any way shape or form i'm going down (laughs) (laughs) that's it for me i'm out well okay so yes it's a very very cool foundation Um, And what's interesting, you mentioned that your brother's quilt was red, white, and blue. Mm -hmm. Um, What's interesting is these quilts do not have to be patriotic in nature. That's correct. They can be anything. But um, on the website, you'll see that recipients do often prefer a patriotic theme. So that's why we see so many of them, because it makes sense. Service people. And uh, Marianne Fonz of Fonz and Porter is a Quilt of Valor Foundation board member uh, emeritus yes so no longer on the board but she served on the board for quite a while yes so again near and dear to our hearts over here at the quilting company exactly Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and if quilts of valor is not your thing easy quilts is uh, easy quilts publication also fonts and porter has a regular feature called a giving quilt And that feature showcases charity quilt stories and other organizations. So very good stuff. Yes. Lots of ideas. Lots Mm -hmm. of ideas. So quilt donations, quilt charities, anything like that that brings the community together and is in support of another person is an awesome thing. Yes, it is. Do you know what another awesome thing is? Hearing how quilters sew behind closed doors. Ah. (laughs) Come on, people. Lori? 
Okay, so the question is to pin or not to pin. So this is our fine finishes segment. That's correct. To pin or not to pin. Mm. And, you know, we were talking a few minutes ago about sewing fast. I have five children. So when they were growing up, I had very limited sewing time. So I was serious about figuring out ways to snitch little tiny minutes off of my sewing time. If you don't put a pin in, you don't have to take it out. You don't have to (laughs) slow down for the pin. I do not pin unless I'm doing curved piecing. And even with curved piecing, I used like three pins. And you know what? That's probably how you're so amazing at what you do. And can I just say that I think I'm going to do a spinoff podcast called Lori the Wise or Lori Tells All or what you know what it's gonna be called? It's gonna be called What I Learned from Lori. Maybe that's just a segment. Yeah. Well, yes. That's our new segment, What I Learned from Lori. Because okay. this is what I this is what I learned from you. Cause you told me one time, I said, Oh my God, I have these two babies and I don't know when I'm ever gonna do this. And you said, When they nap. And I said, that's good advice. Okay, so guess what? That's what I do. That is the only time I quilt because by the time they go to bed, I'm exhausted and it's not happening. See, I always had a, I always, I have three kids Mm -hmm. and now my youngest is 15. Uh, But I always told people that I didn't sew if my kids were under three because it's just impossible. It's not. I'm raising my hand. See, I but see, I was it, when, especially when they were babies. If they were napping, I was napping. Yeah, no, I'm, so, that, that makes was the sense. only time that I could is get great some advice. Sleep. Yes. So, um, so Tracy, yes. to pin or not to pin? I'm not a big pinner. No. Um, I pin when I am sewing borders on. I pin. Lori's shaking her see, head. No, I don't even really pin if I'm doing curved piecing because I learned how to do curved piecing without pins. So I don't, I, I try that. That's a new technique. Well, aren't you fancy? Well, I, I learned it from the So so Kind of Wonderful Girls at Market. They show this fancy way. You put your hands like over yeah, each other and that's right. you hold the fabric just so and then you pull it apart when you, as you stitch and it goes. Zoop. So have you implemented that technique? I practice it every time I try to do really? curved piecing because I haven't quite mastered it yet, but I love curved piecing. Hmm. So I'm, I would say if I do pin when I'm curved, doing curved piecing, it's literally three pins, but I'm not a very big pinner. Hmm. So Carrie, what about you? <laughs> well, when I first started, which, you know, the all those five years ago, <laughs> I did, I pinned pretty religiously. I pinned often. Um, and now I probably never do. Not ever. I don't do curved piecing. I haven't tried that yet. Um, but all the piecing that I have done, all the applique that I have done, I just, I don't. I don't pin. The only thing that I do, I think when I do like machine binding, I don't even pin then. I just use those um, binder clips. Right. Mm, yeah. I use glue. Yeah. See, I don't <laughs> even deal with the glue. Because I'm just like, eh, it's going to take I too long. I want to be done. Yeah. Oh. You know, so I'm going to show you the glue technique. Yes. You're going to love it. Okay. It's going to change your life. You're going to get those quilts bound. Well, we're going to have to share that with everybody else in the show notes, too. Okay. So we'll show Tracy's. Well, it's Sharon Shambers. Okay. 
But we'll share glue technique. But there's an awesome video That's on a YouTube. Tongue twister. We'll share Sharon Chambers <laughs> <laughs> technique in the show notes. <laughs> well, thank you both so very much. This is so much fun. It, it was is. great. I love it. I love it too. Well, we're moving on to episode two shortly, but for now, enjoy episode one. We had a really good time, mm-hmm. and we'll see you soon. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Tracy. And thank you, Carrie. Yes, thank you. This was fun. This was fun. Thanks so much for listening to the Quilting Company podcast. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today by visiting our show notes page at quiltingcompany.com slash quiltpodcast. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And tell your friends. And thanks for listening. Happy quilting. The Quilting Company Podcast is a production of F&W Media Studios. Our editorial director is Trisha Patterson. Our consulting producer is Ron Doyle. Our audio engineer and editor is Evan Rutherford. And our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.